The nursing cart. So it's June 1st now. We are six months into 2021. I personally find that hard to believe. Yeah. I mean... Well, you thought we were never going to reach this point. COVID well, just kill everyone. Not so much. I just did... Uh, I, let's say this time last year, did not think that halfway through the, the next year would we be um, still kind of in the midst of this situation and all the sub-situations it spawned. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened in the last few months, so we should just jump right into it. So <clears throat> the biggest thing in the UK, at least, I know that you're not based in the UK, is the vaccine rollout. I mean, everyone that I know pretty much has been vaccinated except for the kids. Uh, so do you think this is uh, do you think this is good, considering that there's been a lot of corruption scandals around Boris's um, uh, short term in Parliament right now? Yeah, so I suppose the government uh, of Boris Johnson has kind of bought itself back credibility with this kind of um, highly efficient vaccine rollout. I mean, obviously, maybe Britain was destined to do the best because of, you know, the vaccine was developed in Oxford and obviously in Britain, but it was the best performance in Europe and the best um performance in the world for a while other than Israel which makes it the best performance that didn't segregate um recipients by race in the world um <laughs> um well we can more on that yeah, later yeah um I believe now it's the majority of the adult population vaccinated the vaccines have been proven to be effective there were concerns about things such as blood clots but it was shown that in was it 13 million recipients 14 died of blood clots and doctors commented that was it, inevitable or would it have happened was, anyway. It was um, unconnected. Well, well, the thing was, was that um, uh, I've, I've talked to some doctors about it and some people who are in the medical industry and talking about how, yes, such a very small percentage of people can have blood clots, but what would you rather have? Blood clots, which we can easily fix, or COVID, which will kill you, or which can kill you. Mm -hmm. So the, that was really the question that in the government realised that, you know, blood clots are easy to fix. Like with the medical wound, you know, if someone's bleeding out to death, they're not going to start cleaning the wound because they knew no, if the wound gets infected, that's going to take weeks and weeks mm. for the person to die. But set the fate to wood. But that's so, yeah. So I would say that this has been very good for Boris. Um, well, for his whole kind of cabinet, because we, we keep saying, oh, it's Boris, it's Boris. But we, we also need to remember that there's a lot of other ministers involved. Yeah, we um, did see Matt Hancock so I would say that there, it's swiping definitely... up the swiping up the credit for that uh, quite early on, definitely. <laughs> like uh, with his um, yeah, yeah. total we... totally real tears shed on Good Morning Britain the, the morning the first vaccines were rolled out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a bit theatrical at times, but yeah, well, know, it's it definitely is what it um, is. yeah, uh, definitely a vaccine like this. I suppose I don't. I, I suppose we didn't think that. Um, one this medically effective would be would come along and obviously now with so many people vaccinated the data is solid it's a good vaccine it's um, it's crazy even though the public has been opened up and even though the indian variant has got into the uk there's um uh, there's there's been cases in kent especially because that's kind of the the, the um I guess the gateway to britain um the, the, the deaths are still going down. I remember at one point the deaths were going down by like two and a half thousand each day, which was pretty crazy considering we were at highest for like 10,000 in the first mm. lockdown. 
well yesterday there was one three or four hundred which yesterday there was one covid related death recorded in the uk in total exactly i mean that's that's crazy compared to what we had before i remember one point was it london they had zero cases or they had zero deaths because of covid it was like there was there was there was was both but on different days ah well it was both of them but um i would say that boris has definitely pulled it out the bag uh, with the vaccine rollout and it's very interesting um i was talking to someone about how the government were just buying everything in bulk because they didn't have enough stuff and a lot of the stuff they bought didn't work which is a massive problem um <laughs> when it comes you don't have uh, face masks that don't work but the one thing they did buy in bulk was the vaccines which worked so amazingly and it and it became it created um they, they could then make lockdown end a lot quicker than any other nation even if they had more deaths they could get into a better economic position quicker and especially now if you've still got brexit to talk about we've got uh just lots of the geopolitics that's going on right now uh in in all parts of the world which is very interesting and the, the massive problem we have now with say like israel and um china and russia is is all kind of kicking off to an extent but yeah yeah it is what it is I mean, the vaccine rollout in the UK was an example to the rest of Europe and many Brexiteers took it as an example of what a sovereign Britain can do. That's obviously an arguable point, but there was another side to it. Um, The majority of these vaccines have been snapped up by, uh, I suppose, major, major powers in the world, leaving other countries such as South Africa and India with these new variants um, kind of short of vaccines and the only reason a lot of people have been saying that this kind of mass excess of vaccines in the uk and the us is at the cost of um vaccination rates in countries such as india which are experiencing crises which means that the pandemic cannot end until there's you know quote vaccine equality as i've heard it called um and that in fact this is you know it fixes the situation maybe in the uk but not globally which is what needs to be fixed what do you think of that yeah yeah i remember um they were saying after you know the whole uk and the usa is vaccinated the majority we should re- uh, get rid of the patent for the vaccine so smaller companies can start producing it on a mass scale all around the world which i really think they should do all they do it probably massive corporations here it's not small ethical companies um but you know we can it, it, it's difficult to tell the future because we don't know what's going to happen unfortunately mm. it'd make life a lot easier if we did so all we well, can do well. is just carry on uh tell tell the listeners about what's happening and what is going what we may think is going to happen um so and more importantly what it means talking about that Theo, what do you what do you think will happen in the next few months with the vaccines I mean, I suppose the vaccine success will obviously continue um, in major uh, powers in the world, but that doesn't fix the situation in, for example, India or South Africa, um, which are getting increasingly desperate, you know, um, shortages of oxygen by the day, you know, mass cremations, et cetera, et cetera, mass deaths, um, which means the global situation isn't uh, close to improving if, some countries are achieving vaccine success. It's either going to mean that um, 
new strains are imported from these countries with desperate situations such as India and South Africa, uh, or countries are going to have to close off their borders and kind of, you know, keep either their desperate situation with the virus or their huge vaccine success to themselves. And it's going to come down to isolationism because the global effort failed in yeah. a way. But it's unpredictable um, what the kind of uh, rollout in countries which haven't had so many vaccines will look like in the next few months. Well, keeping with the geopolitical uh, aspect, we'll be moving on to the chaos is real in Israel. <laughs> now, Israel has been a very turbulent, the Middle East has, Israel has created a lot of world tension, especially in the Middle East with many cold wars, uh, many proxy wars, and especially Israel and Palestine, which isn't the, always the nicest thing to talk about, but it's something we're going to try and uh, discuss. Thankfully, it's to an extent over, I've been told. Uh, and well, there's a ceasefire. Heard, the mass fighting. There's a ceasefire, and it's, it's good. Well, I mean, they've had a ceasefire for about 70 years, so it's the best we're probably going to get for a while. But on that opinion, Theo, what do you think is happening? So what it appears to be is that um, <clears throat> Israel was kind of um, amping up continued um, military campaigns into the Gaza Strip, which is one of two remaining Palestinian territories in the region. Since 1948, um, the rest of the country has turned into uh, Jewish settlements, Israeli settlements, and recently Israel was just amping up the efforts and there was a lot more attention drawn to that than in the past. Um, and a lot of the eyes of the world turned onto that. Um, and then there were, obviously in response to that, uh, many rocket attacks on Israel um, from the terrorist group Hamas, um, which obviously the uh, Israeli government kind of then wanted to latch onto that and paint it as them being attacked. But the figures do show a kind of disproportionate number of Palestinian deaths compared to Israeli deaths recently, as well as injuries. Um, and it also, I think it, it coincided. It coincided with a, with a Jewish holiday as well as um, Ramadan and the holiday that um, comes at the end of that. For what the celebration? For what I understood, what really kicked it off was uh, in East Jerusalem there is a sacred temple. When uh, partway through uh, Ramadan. A lot of Muslims came out to the special temple to have a special prayer, one of the holiest days for Muslims. Uh, and then the Israeli basic defense forces or police riot control stormed into the building uh, and beat up a lot of people and uh, hurt a lot of people. And didn't, I don't think it damaged so much the building, but really uh, made the Muslims, because there's also still a lot of Palestinians in Israel, because they just didn't move when the Israelis kind of just expanded in the region. And so there's a, uh, so a lot of East Jerusalem is populated by Palestinians. And at the time, a lot of Palestinians were being kicked out their houses to make way for Israelis or, or Jews generally. Uh, and then Hamas was like, well, this is, uh, screw you guys. So they started firing the rockets. Um, but yeah, you were saying like only 10 Israeli deaths compared to about 150 Palestinian deaths, which just doesn't does, doesn't make sense, doesn't work. And it, it's not right how it's worked. So Well, I, I think it it's worth pointing out. I think, yeah, the Israeli deaths, um, a few of the deaths occurred in riots and clashes because it's not just the Israeli forces. There are Israeli citizens um, deemed settlers by the Palestinians who 
who you know get into riot clashes with you know uh, Palestinian activists like all over the world but um, Israel has justified a number of uh, fatal airstrikes saying that one of the one high-rise they um, they put an airstrike on was occupied by Hamas forces but it was also home to um, civilian residents and the offices of some um, news publications such as Al Jazeera News so you know, <clears throat> destroying the offices of Al Jazeera News, that gets a lot of other nations involved, um, or the interest of other yeah. nations such as the UK involved. Um, but yeah, it's mostly been deaths resulting from airstrikes, but there's been a lot more attention turned to it recently. And about a week ago, they announced yeah. a ceasefire. And since then, that ceasefire has, has continued, hasn't been violated, and that's been that since then. No end in sight. Do you think that you can have some sort of peace inside the region, or do you think it's going to be a warring region until Palestine is wiped off the map? I mean, Israel officially talks about, you know, defending their homeland. They don't actually talk about expanding into the Gaza Strip or the West Bank. Palestine talks about defending what they have left or expanding back. Right now, it appears there will be, I mean, people, people on the outside and some on the inside talk about a two-state solution. But I don't think any of the proposed solutions uh, but proposed by any sides or outsiders is anywhere in sight. Um, yeah, I don't think Israel is going to accept that because they're in a much better position than Palestine. Palestine would have to win a war against Israel for that to happen. Yes, the uh, well, Palestine that doesn't have a military in Israel, which has one of the most advanced in the world, um, albeit pretty small. But uh, I mean, again, we yeah. can't. We we talk about Palestine. We talk, talk about, about Palestine. Palestine. Well, just one more thing. We do. We we say Palestine, but we by Palestine we mean Palestine civ yeah, Palestinian sure. civilians, the government, and also the terrorist group Hamas, who have a lot of influence over the government, and are not supported by all Palestinians, and don't you know necessarily represent them. Yeah. Um, but that's just worth noting. The, well, they are supported by a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Biden's 100 days have already crushed his dream of being the next FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What is your opinion on this? Yeah. I mean, I suppose Roosevelt was... Uh, it's, worth, it's worth remarking. Roosevelt, obviously, if you don't know, uh, his, his um, term began in the midst of the Great Depression. Um, so similar circumstances to Biden. The Democrat takes over from the quote-unquote off-hands Republican from the crisis. There's many, there's many parallels to be drawn. Roosevelt introduced, you know, sweeping measures when he moved into office. Um, you know, began the setting up of large new infrastructure projects, employment projects, yeah. or alphabet agencies as he called them. Uh, and Biden's rhetoric between his uh, between the election and his inauguration was very much wanting to replicate that, wanting to rebuild and expand because FDR didn't just want to recover from the crisis. He wanted to strengthen the economy for, you know, average Americans for the uh, lower classes and Biden's rhetoric kind of very much mirrored that, but Biden, but he, he struggled a lot more in his first hundred days. I mean, he signed a number of executive orders dismantling many of Trump's policies, such as getting the U S back into the Paris climate accords, but compare that to FDR's hundred days. I mean, in the first, 100 days of FDR's term, he sent 15 proposals to Congress, all of which were adopted. Biden hasn't even sent any proposals to Congress yet. 
just knowing that they won't be accepted or he has but they haven't and he doesn't have the support from congress fdr had that's why i came up with the headline biden's 100 days have crushed his dream of being the next fdr uh, but what are your thoughts on that well we also need to remember that politically it's very different biden doesn't have the the strength that fdr had when it came to the congress and the senate i mean yeah, biden does have a majority in the senate doesn't he uh, yes, well, 50, 50, he has 49 senators and then the vice president, Kamala Harris, the final vote. So half and half. 50-50, basically, which is brilliant for trying to pass laws uh, and bills. So not, not major ones, no. There are lots of things he can do with Biden. that, but very sweeping changes, no. Yeah, sweeping changes, no. Or at least sweeping changes that the Republicans would agree to. Well, I can't think that of any of those, can you? There are not many. There are not many sweeping no, changes the Democrats and Republicans agree on. Yeah. Um, there was. There, I think. I believe Biden did propose a four point. He, no, Biden proposed a five trillion dollar relief package. Uh, the Republicans didn't like that. They said it was too expensive, and they proposed their own four point nine trillion dollar um, relief package. So you can see this just kind of playing politics. I mean, here. at least it's cheaper. At least it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think Trump is going to be a candidate for the Republicans? I think, I mean, obviously he wants to be. I mean, I think there was a moment on the day of Biden's inauguration, Trump uh, got on his plane. He doesn't wasn't using Air Force One. He was on his own plane. Now he was back to the the billionaire businessman, um, not the president anymore. He flew off. We didn't hear from him for months. Then he comes back. Uh, I gives a speech at a conservative conference, very much giving the impression that he he still owns politics. He's still the leader of the Republican Party. It's still it's still his and he still has a right to be president and he'll be back and he'll be president as soon as possible. That's the narrative he's pushing. Whether anyone believes that or whether he actually has the support to carry that out, I'm not sure. But according to him, he's he's the next president. Again, it's Trump, Biden, Trump again. And that's it. It's his to own. Yeah, that's what he's trying to push. Do you think he can reach that? Do you think theoretically Joe Biden could stand for a second term? Or do you think Kamala Harris could stand for a, a first term and beat Trump? I mean, politically, it's yet to be determined whether Joe Biden could stand for a second term. But there's obviously other reasons why he may not be able to stand for a second term. Um, he's quite know, old. <laughs> yes, being being that old. But I suppose the Biden team, including Kamala Harris... I think it's yet to be determined but with their current ambitions, the way they're going, they very well could. I feel like Trump's support just kind of crumbled over the years. He had a peak from his peak in 2017. Yeah. His support crumbled. And by the time he comes back, there may not be enough want for him. And maybe, you know, 20% of the voters, which just isn't enough to get him elected. Or it could be that people are sick of what Biden has done. In the, in the nation and look upon Trump as a, as a saving grace to try and bring them back to normality or back them to the America that they wanted in the first place. I mean, I think Biden's strategy, whether or not this true? is, whether, whether or not um, it has any basis in reality or what will actually happen, Biden's strategy is to change people's lives with economic policy so that they vote for him again. So just giving them more money so they want to vote for him or providing more public services if you want to vote for him or, you know, things like free childcare, 
uh, boosting transport, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he what his strategy, quite an old democratic strategy dating back to his idol FDR, who he has a portrait of in the Oval Office, is yeah, just giving people stuff so they vote for him again. That's the policy. He doesn't phrase it like that. He doesn't phrase it like that. He phrases it as that. He he phrases it as recovery and level up leveling up but i think it's very ambitious and it's very unlikely he'll achieve that to the level that people want to vote for him for that reason and he doesn't have much else so i don't think biden or trump will be strong contenders in 2020 so do you think there'll be other people rising well there are yeah rising rising stars um i mean it may be another member of the trump dynasty uh eric trump donald trump jr perhaps um, if Trump himself decides well, not Trump to, Trump Jr. would be one of the youngest presidents. Yes, I mean there are others, other others who have been trying for years, such as Ted, Ted Cruz. He's sort of uh, kind of a big, big name in the Senate. Do you uh, think Senate Bernie Sanders could be the presidential elect? I mean, I don't see exactly what strong points because because of Biden's kind of move to the kind of progressive wing. I don't really see where Bernie Sanders fits into that if Biden achieves what he wants to achieve. He sort of almost adopted many of Bernie's pre-pandemic policies as pandemic policies and almost um, removed the need for him for now, but we'll see what he achieves. We'll see. Only time can tell. The Green Seal scandal. Big stuff, big stuff. We've got to talk Uh, about... George, yeah, I was just going to say, we, we've got to talk the about corruption many WhatsApp in the UK. Messages, the many WhatsApp messages um, about from Deborah Cameron lobbying Parliament for many things. But I guess the big one, do you believe it's immoral to do what he was doing? So what, what, I think, what I think it condenses down to is David Cameron, former Prime Minister, obviously, um, of the UK, using political leverage or former political leverage to um, better his own finances through the Australian businessman, I think he's called Lex Greensill, who was a farmer from Australia who started a financial or capital firm or something like that. Um, And yeah, David Cameron used uh, those connections and his former political connections to enrich himself it's lobbying, it's corruption, and um, no one denies it, not even you know, Cameron's close friend, Boris Johnson. Obviously, Cameron's kind of uh, saying that it was a learning experience for him and you know, things like that. What do you, I don't know what your thoughts on it are. Well, uh, I remember Cameron was talking before about how it's bad, the lobbying that we have, and we need to get rid of the lobbying, but he couldn't really think of any policies, was it? Because he couldn't think of it lobbying to make a living which i mean if that's your respect to him he needs to feed his friends and family um yeah i'm, I'm sure he do i think i'm sure he's got them right fed. He, i'm sure he's got them fed i i, I was gonna say I'm, I'm sure he's got plenty of money but do i think it's right what he's doing probably not politics is there to help the people not to help the corporations or well, unfortunately seeing that more and more inside politics with the corruption scandals with boris johnson which we'll talk about later uh, and all the all the uh, things piling up to say that the Tories are quite corrupt with uh, people are saying there's a lot of Russian money inside of Parliament. There's also a lot of uh, corporation money. 
Um, but do, do you think this has been affecting British politics recently, the corruption scandals that uh, has been shown with the Green Seal scandal? Um, yes, I mean, lobbying is not technically like illegal, but I'd say it is corrupt to use political leverage um, to conduct lobbying. Um, has this been important in British politics? But there's been a lot of kind of revelations this year in British politics, like kind of things that would have been huge kind of breakouts, perhaps before Boris Johnson became prime minister, but now a kind of routine. Um, and obviously this concerns a former British prime minister. So it's not that monumental compared to other things that have come out recently, especially more relevant things such as things related to the pandemic. I mean, this is about something that happened before the pandemic yeah. concerning a former prime minister, you know, not not too relevant to kind of anyone sitting in parliament now. Do you think this could be um, because I remember many people talking about how Britain's the most corrupt nation right now or something. And uh, many people also make the opinion that uh, we need to remember that Britain was at its height, highest, highest, where. And British Empire in the form of um, expansionism, Britain's always worked to an extent very well with corruption. People, a lot of people are saying, uh, do you think that this could be uh, the future of Britain? Or do you think this is us kind of realising that this is how Britain operates and this is how we need to operate with Britain, that it's almost a corporation uh, day out and the people just fit in where they can? Or, 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 for instance, that the way you climb society is through business, which has always been kind of the idea that Britain and the USA have been going for. Do you think it's a realisation that's actually corruption, what's happening? Or do you think it's just a, as a societal ethos? I mean, it is, it is corruption, but consider like at the start of last century, you know, politics essentially was a way for, um, you know, powerful, wealthy males to protect their interests. And it's kind of transitioned from that. And if you think about what's happening now, these kind of few scandals about people, you know, David Cameron trying to make money, that's where it ends. He's trying, David Cameron used his political power to try and make more money. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't go deeper than that. Um, or, you know, also Boris Johnson apparently taking out money from the Tory party to, to, to buy wallpaper or to, to redecorate his flat in Downing Street. Um, I mean, how, did, how does that compare to like some, you know, scandals we've seen in the last, last few decades? Not much, but obviously people are reacting to it, you know, as you would you think there's also like that there's a lot of I'm not, anti- well, sorry, what I was saying is it doesn't really represent a new trend. That's, that's what I'll conclude with. But do you think there's also a lot of anti-conservative, anti-Boris Johnson uh, feeling around in the air? So they're going to take whatever they can and explode it onto a massive scale. Or do you think some people are just genuinely worried that we're still in a very corrupt time? I mean, I don't think any kind of serious person could say, oh, this highlights, you know, deep kind of um, ingrained corruption that we've been completely oblivious to for decades and, you know, things like that. It's just kind of a few kind of um, a a few minor cases, but obviously one concerning the prime minister himself. But if you actually think about the situation itself, he wanted to redecorate his flat. He apparently said that the that the former occupants of the flat had um, bought too much furniture from John Lewis. They called it John, <laughs> John Lewis, Lewis the Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't think it represents a huge kind of trend toward back towards corruption, um, but it definitely is a stain on the names of those who've um, been involved in it. 
one of which is the prime minister, it's not going to be good. That's going to be brought up at the next election. I'll, I'll summarize it like that. Talking about the stain, the cum stain on Boris's record. Mr. Cummings has recently come out and uh, let off quite the bomb of um, of information. People could say uh, the John Lewis nightmare. Uh, let the bodies pile up. All these well, things. Just to clarify, John Lewis recently. nightmare. That was that was not that wasn't a revelation from Cummings. That, that was separate. That was separate. Yeah, but still. that was separate. <laughs> but the let the bodies pile up was you know. Yes. So, what what are we saying? Has has the cum stain really affected Boris's record? So, obviously, Sorry, recently just... Dominic Cummings spoke to a, a parliamentary committee and sort of testified against Boris Johnson. Um, so essentially, Dominic Cummings is Boris Johnson's former advisor, credited with um, leading him to huge political victories with which with his campaigns, such as. 2016 leave campaign uh, and the brexit referendum and the 2019 conservative uh, re-election campaign um which got the conservative party its current huge majority now obviously now dominic cummings left downing street in december 2020 um following some sort of fallout and he came back and did what he's known to do which is kind of destroy anyone he doesn't like so he's known for destroying his enemies kind of breaking them down yeah. humiliating them and now that enemy is boris johnson the prime minister he came out and yes. said that he came out and first of all confirmed um an alleged quote from boris johnson a few months ago that instead of locking down in october 2020 we should let the bodies pile up from COVID-19. And he also went on to confirm suspicions that enemies of the government have had and enemies, critics of the government have had for over a year that the government did not act uh, quick enough on COVID, that they didn't take it seriously, that they were not prepared. And essentially in his words, he was at the forefront of that witnessing um, chaos within the government um, a lack of organization, negligence, uh, the prime minister and ministers ignoring the science and you know advice they've been given and confirming a lot of what people had said. And if his allegations are true, then he's con yeah, confirmed what a lot of people have said and that's really bad for the government. Do you think this is gonna damage him for the next general election in 2023? 22 23 yeah i think it will and what's more is cummings claimed to have um presented a reasonable approach that they should lock down sooner that they should listen to the science more etc etc and claims that he was ignored and he also claims that he would say on a daily basis that the health secretary matt hancock should be fired but that the prime minister selfishly wants to preserve him to fire him when something went wrong so he could pin the blame to to him so he kind of just highlighted what a lot of people have been suspecting and that will definitely be the biggest probably stain on the prime minister's record um between now and the next general election or between 2019 and the next election well ladies and gentlemen that's all we have time for thank you so much for listening to our um quite late podcast we're very sorry we've uh, we unfortunately are studying so school to school but anyway 
moving on we'd like to thank you so much for listening to the new thinker uh if you would like to uh, hear more from us, you can follow us on whichever streaming platform you're listening to. We have a Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com slash newthinker. Am I right by saying that? Yes. Okay, very good. And we also have an Instagram, which is the.newthinker, which posts interesting podcasts and uh, no, not podcasts, sorry, polls quizzes, and polls, articles. In, well, Thank you for explaining that to me, Theo. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to New Thinker, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, New Thinker. Reduction.